and for you, Semper Fi. Hiya, darlings and gal pals. Today we are celebrating a film anniversary this week. What happens when you put four high schoolers together from Erie, Pennsylvania to start a band, but they're nowhere near ready for the star status they become? There's a movie just like this with lots of comedic moments that culminates into lots of one-liners, sarcastic humor, and a band that just can't quite get it right. Oh, and did I mention that this is set in the 1960s at the height of the Beatles craze? And that the band is managed by a younger Tom Hanks in his directorial debut? Yes, I'm talking about the film That Thing You Do, which debuted on October 4th, 1996. Here to talk to me and celebrate is the man who introduced me to the film, my own father, Bruce Dyson. Bruce is currently living and enjoying retirement in the Nashville, Tennessee area to be near his grandkids, my sister and hubby. His love of comedy shows like Saturday Night Live permeated my childhood and I'm so grateful to have been exposed to such a genius at a younger age that I couldn't ask for a better guest to cheeky chat with me. On this episode, we talk about our favorite lines and characters from the movie, moments from the extended director's cut, and trickle in the trivia throughout the show. That and so much more. So this past Sunday, the day that you're listening to this episode, dear listeners, was the 24th anniversary of one of my favorite movies of all time, That Thing You Do, which has a phenomenal soundtrack. And I wanted to get the person on who introduced the movie to me, and that is my own father, Bruce Dyson. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Hi. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's in my top five movies, too. Yeah, I can. I can. It's one of those movies I can watch if I turn on TV and it's on. I got to finish it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the earliest memories I have uh, in the '90s when this movie first came out. I think it came out on uh, VHS. We went. We would go to Blockbuster Video, RIP, <laughs> and um, we would uh, we rented this movie. And I remember watching it, going, "What is this movie?" It, it, like it. It had a lot of similar tropes to movies we had already watched together, and like. But it also was like in the 90s, like it had like that little extra woke, you know, 90s attitude to it. And um, the plot that I love about it is essentially if it, for those who haven't seen the movie and shame on you if you haven't, please watch it after this episode is, is finished. But um, it's essentially about a group of four kids, technically five. There was a there was a drummer. Um, he breaks his leg doing stupid arm. stuff. They replace arm. him with we replace him with. Yes, his arm, his arm. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's replaced by Guy Patterson, the lead character of the movie, and he takes them on this journey of them becoming one-hit wonders. They get onto the Playtone Galaxy of Stars, and they they uh, have a huge hit. They're doing all this promotion, and some of them are really into it. Some of them are kind of concerned. Um, and the great the great thing I love about this movie is the dynamic of the band members. Do you care to comment on the plot or anything? Any any standout points that that you remember that might add to the to that? Yeah. Uh, I think the thing about the movie that I thought was was the coolest was that it was such a a joy ride, and there we'll I, we'll talk about I'm sure some of the scenes that are just it's just unabashed joy, you know, <laughs> of of you know uh, be, becoming famous and working your way up, and and it, it was just, it's just a fun movie, just all around. You you can't you can't help but being infected. Mm -hmm. there's lots of great moments in that in this movie um so we have the main characters we have is uh jimmy who's the lead singer lead guitarist he writes all the songs he wrote that thing you do for 
uh, his girlfriend. And also we have Lenny, the sarcastic one who he's kind of in it for the ride. He kind of knows what the group should be doing, but he's like, you know what, honestly, let's just take these risks. Um, <laughs> and then we have um, uh, Guy Patterson, who we just mentioned about. He's technically the lead character. He's the one that we see. The, the, he's the first person that we see in the movie that um, essentially catalyzes the, the plot point for everybody involved. And then we have unidentified bass player. <laughs> His name is literally TB player, the bass player. He's never acknowledged in the movie to his face what his name is, but he's in there as like a tertiary character. And eventually he ends up leaving, uh, spoilers, <laughs> and, and near the end to go to the Marine, uh, to the uh, Marine Corps, I believe. And, um, and he basically, he kind of gives them a heads up, but um, near the end, he ends up leaving. They have to replace him. So such a show business as we all know. <laughs> But um, some stand uh, some some of the characters of those four that I think have the best lines are is Lenny. Um, what uh, are there any favorite standout quotes that you that Lenny said during the movie that you <laughs> that you like? Well, well, of course, to me, the the standout line is when they are first signed to get their record on the radio when the manager uh, approaches them about it. And he's in this camper and he has them in and he serves them chili and they're, they're sitting there and there, he says, all you need to do is sign this and I'll have your record on the radio within a week, 10 days. And the, the guitar player, Jimmy, he's, he's the thoughtful, he's always hesitant about his music and he's like, well, I'm not sure. And, and uh, Lenny goes, Hey, a man in a real nice camper just ask us to, to put our song on the radio. I'm signing, you're signing, we're all signing. <laughs> that's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. He, oh yeah. That's such a great, yeah. That's such a standout moment. Cause like, honestly, like Guy Patterson was like enthralled by this guy in a, in a camper and like, he just let, he just, he invited the band over to hang out in the camp. It's like such an awkward moment that, that he, this guy wants to be the band's manager. And it's just like, Lenny's just like, you know what? Let's just, screw this. Let's do this. You know, let's, let's go, let's go enjoy ourselves <laughs> and just go for the ride. And the ride kind of ends up kind of abruptly near the end. But um, uh, yeah, Lenny has some great moments. Um, there's I was just going to say the manager, he, he came to see Guy because he saw them playing at the uh, pizza place out by the airport, Villa Pianos. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember in that same uh, sequence in Villa Pianos, there was a um, there was a, a scene where they're they're sitting down, hanging out after the show, and they're talking about this really attractive girl that had come in, and they're like, "Oh yeah," everyone's like, "Oh yeah," they you know she was the one nursing a beer, she was wearing this and this and this, and like they knew all these details. Tills and Lenny, Lenny just goes, "Where was I?" Oh yeah, playing songs on my guitar. Like he was super focused. He was the only apparently the only focused one in the band, which I love. <laughs> Another, another um, one of his quotes that I liked was this is when they they went on tour. They went on a um, state fair tour after they started their record, started climbing up the charts and they stopped in all these Midwestern cities with the Playtone uh, Cavalcade of Stars or whatever they were called. And there was one scene where they got in, they were escorted into this police car to get them to the airport as quickly as possible. And all these girl fans were just crawling over them and crawling on the car. And Lenny goes, 
I like Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lenny was definitely the older soul of the four of the uh, four of the band members. Um, I think because I don't know, he just was, you know, he just seemed to know a little bit more, but then also at the same time he came from a small town, Erie, Pennsylvania. And, you know, you see him at later in when they're schmoozing with everybody in Plato and he's like playing cards, with like the older, older gentleman. And he's like, um, you want to see my deck? Got to be quick with me. I'm from Erie, VA. Like, you know, he's trying to like put like an edge on him so that way he can like get, he can move ahead in, in play tone. But I think it's just really, it's a really cute moment. Are there any other characters that have some standout quotes that you, um, that you remember? Well, one of my favorite characters wasn't actually in the band. It was Mr. Patterson, Guy's dad. He was this, he ran mm. the hardware store. The, the family hardware store downtown. It was an old school hardware store. They sold clock radios and washing machines and things like that. And Guy Patterson was, or, or, or Mr. Patterson, I don't know what his first name was, but but Mr. Patterson was this uptight, you know, uh, guy and everything. He was all business and, and all uptight. And one of his, <laughs> he, 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 he was old school. So there was a competing hardware store called Telemart across town that he was always competing with. And they were kind of the new style. They were, you know, maybe, I don't know what, like the best buy or something like that. And he was looking mm -hmm. at their ad in the newspaper and it talked about, you know, their hours, they were open, you know, seven days a week on Sunday. And he's talking to his wife and he goes, I just don't know that I want to live in a country where you have to be open on Sunday. And so he's, he's just, <laughs> he's just the straight guy. Uh, so, yeah. So Mr. Patterson was one of my favorite characters and had some of my favorite, mm. my favorite lines. Yeah. There's a really, uh, there's a really fun scene where he's reading the newspaper of an ad from uh, Telemart and he's like commenting on everything. He's like, Oh, they got to have this now. Oh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> want to add inventory. Shoe he, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't want to add inventory. He just wanted to sell the traditional stuff like, you know, <laughs> vacuum cleaners, <laughs> clock radios, <laughs> toasters, you know, and, and here they are doing things, you know, you know, reaching out to consumers in a way that's bigger. And he's just like, eh, you know, we're, we're going to do it our way. <laughs> All right. There's yeah. some more of that scene in the extended cut too. I think it's right before um, the daughter has more lines in the extended cut. And I think she is reading a news story about their time in Pittsburgh, I think with the band. I don't remember what the, the article was about, but that's when he finds the article, the, the ad on the back. And then he's like, Oop, don't show it. And then the mother's like, don't show him that. And then he does. And then he starts to do that rambling on thing. <laughs> or like when they're in the store and they're listening to that thing you do on the radio for the first time, he's like, put that down. That's a very expensive floor display. <laughs> I think it was Lenny, wasn't it? That was, uh, they're, they're so <laughs> yeah. happy because their songs playing on the radio and they turn all the radios and everything on in the in the store which by the way is my all-time favorite scene of the movie um, <laughs> and and they're dancing around and and lenny picks up yeah this floor display it's a cardboard cut out of a woman holding a mixer or something and uh yeah lenny <laughs> dancing with the floor display <laughs> and mr <laughs> patterson says yeah put that down that's a very expensive floor display yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He was very straight minded, but um, I, I think it's really interesting the dynamic that 
guy had with his father was he was very traditional and he was kind of like i kind of want to you know play jazz for my life or you know i want to play the drums for the rest of my life but i don't know how i will fit here in erie pennsylvania so i thought that was really interesting are there any other uh, quotes that stand out in your mind another lanny quote was that i liked was uh this is they they switched managers and this is when the playtone manager the Tom Hanks character, Mr. White, uh, had just taken over and was going to be their manager now and take them into Playtone and, you know, get them on the tour and sell their record and all. And he had a few stipulations. And one of them was because their name that they had come up with originally was, they called it the Wonders. And they thought it was cute, or at least Jimmy did, the guitar player because it was the wonders o n e d e r s like as in the number 1 ders but everybody always mixed it up be, because it looked like the oneeders so there's all these different scenes <laughs> when the people are going hey you oneeders i love you and they're going no it's the wonders and so mr <laughs> uh, uh, mr white the tom hanks character one of his stipulations was you're no longer the O-N-E-D-E-R-S, you're just the wonders, W-O-N-D-E-R-S, because that's just too confusing. And uh, Lenny goes, as in, I wonder what happened to the O'Neaters? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he knew he knew it was a, he was a stupid name. Actually, there was a moment where he's in Villa Pianos. I think he's getting, oh, he's being paid on behalf of the band. And well, well the first quote that I love of that scene is, um, when he puts out the money and he puts it out like an extra uh, wad of cash for a bonus, he's like, do you know what this is? And he goes, presidential flashcards. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but but um, the, the the owner of Villapiano still didn't know his name, right? He he called them the O'Neaters and, and he tries to correct him and he goes, hey, it's O'Netters. <laughs> like, that's going to help. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But I think he knew that it was a stupid name from the beginning and he was just going with it. So he's like, I'm going to correct them in a really unique and different way. Um, and I really love that. Yeah. I do have to touch on the fact that Steve Zahn is such a comedic genius. Like he, like people, like if you Google search his name, if you start to search his name and if you go on Google and it has like suggested searches, there's actually a, <laughs> I think it's like the second or third search is question is, is Steve Zahn dead? <laughs> I guess no one, everyone thinks he <laughs> fell off the face of the earth or something. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but he had just come of, out. He was like, a huge, lot of things. yeah. Yeah, he has like if you he's but he's the thing is I think he gets typecast in characters like that because I think right he was coming just off of the success of Reality Bites and he kind of started to play those like you know mm -hmm. those stereotypical sidekick characters and but I think in reality like he was kind of like the pioneer of the movie like he had a lot of the classic lines and he just was the he, he just knew what was going on, you know, and everyone else was kind of like naive and still figuring out what they wanted to do in life and what their goals were and what they wanted to do in the future. And Lenny was just like, mm, I'm just, I'm just going to worry about the, the he present. Was, he was you know? just having and, fun along for the ride. Yeah. I think we can all learn from Lenny. What was his last name? Yep. Lenny, Leonard, Leonard Co. No, I almost said Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Maybe. <I don't> know. <laughs> uh, anyways, but yeah. <laughs> Great things. Um, I'm trying to think, does Tom Hanks's character have any uh, uh, funny lines or anything 
anything that stands out. I honestly don't know. I mean, I feel like he put, he kept them in their lines and, oh, he did. Whenever he would, they were about to go on stage, he would always try to pep them up by telling them how good they looked in whatever color yeah. they were wearing. They're like, oh, you look, you guys look good in red. Have I told you that? Yeah, I told you you look good in black. Yeah, they, I think they were black, red, oh, yeah. gold. Gold, I think, yeah. Yeah, well, it, and there was yeah. another, because I liked the way he would, he would, give them he'd be a little nitpicky about things he was a detail kind of a guy <clears throat> and there there was one of those scenes when they went on stage and he's telling them do this do that do that and then he knows that tv player the bass player is kind of a ditzy guy he's just kind of a goofball and uh he, he he's telling them this that that and he, he looks at the bass player he goes do you have your pick <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you have your pick <laughs> Yeah, there was a moment like the very first scene where he's doing that on backstage with them. I was like, oh my gosh, these kids are these are literally like high schoolers. Like the, technically, they're you know in the in the movie they are high schoolers technically, and you know they don't really know anything any better, and they're literally still growing up, and you know, and some of them are still acting very childish. <laughs> so the so they ha so he had to keep them in line by telling them where's your pick, you know, make sure you're wearing your your shades, and I'm like. It, it was just a really interesting dynamic, but they needed him as a manager because he knew he knew what, what he was doing. Yeah, and he was the observer. I, I he was he was the one that noticed things that no one else did. You know, like Faye, who was Jimmy's girlfriend, mm -hmm. who traveled with them. Faye, you, you you started to kind of pick up a little bit at the beginning there, where there was kind of a connection between Faye and Guy, the drummer. But it wasn't, she was still in love with Jimmy at that time. But there was still this connection. But Mr. White, Hank's character, always, he, he saw that all along. And then he made, he, he, he made comments towards the end that he made you realize, he goes, well, he, he, he's telling Guy, Faye's special, isn't she? And uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, he, he was the observer, I think, uh, the, the wise observer of what was going on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, in the extended cut, which I think is interesting, he is actually dating this, um, I believe, a former NFL player so, yes. who is a, you know, so he, that's one thing that you don't really pick up on in the um, theatrical cut that, Howie that Long. the manager was Gabe. Howie Long. Yes. Was the football yes. player. Yeah. And he he did some acting, some in a few things. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I wish they touched on it more, at least like kind of hinted at it, you know, how they like when <laughs> like, it was a side, a side movie, but like in one of the Harry Potter movies, like after JK Rowling, who I don't like talking about, cause she's, you know, she's canceled right now, but um, yeah. uh, there uh, she had, she had told a fan that Dumbledore was gay and like a fan like freaked out. And I was like, obviously, cause you didn't write it in the, in the book to like, you know, you just like, threw it on that fan and anyways but there was a moment in one of the movies where <laughs> he uh Dumbledore takes up crocheting or something and I'm like that is not in the book they added that in just to kind of you know say hey yeah Dumbledore something's more something's more to him than you think <laughs> and I wish they kind of did something mm -hmm. with with uh, uh with the manager and uh, a little bit more of a like a like a he he tiny moment where you're just like oh if you if you missed it you missed it you know um but um it's it's nice to see that in the director's cut though. Another thing as well you see more is the dynamic between Guy and Faye a lot more, and you see more about where they end up um, after the movie is over, technically, um, directly after that, which I really which I really loved. 
Um, that does bring us on to the where are they now. <laughs> um, there's there's lots of little tidbits of where they like it's it was kind of like a documentary about the band and they kind of mention where everybody is and my favorite one is Lenny's of course he's still single like he probably still is <laughs> the one that the one where are they now that surprised me was was uh, Jimmy's because he was so anti-playtone like or, or he was kind of like you know, he always had his guard up whenever there was a business decision made with the wonders and he would always make sure that they were going to the studio, going to the studio. Yeah. Hollywood showcase, but are we going to the studio? Kind of, kind of that kind of attitude. And when they finally get to the studio, he ends up quitting, but because of creative differences and the fact that he ends up becoming a record producer for Playtone and it has a band really surprised me. I feel like that's very out of character for Jimmy. Like, being a record producer, you're at a, a level of creativity where you can kind of control things more. But the fact that he went back to Playtone and had another band really surprised me. Did that surprise you at all? Yeah. Yes, I was like, surprised that he ended up going with Playtone because you it looked like at the at the end of the movie that there would be no relationship there. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. the band was the Herdsman. And mm -hmm. I know we'll talk about the the soundtrack, but actually one of the songs on the soundtrack that plays at the end of the in, end of the movie is by the Herdsman, his his mm -hmm. next band after the Wonders. Yeah, speaking of the soundtrack, it's a little bit of a tidbit. Do you? I don't think they mentioned it in the movie, but do you know where uh, what Mister White ended up doing after the Wonders? I think didn't did did he become like the head of Playtone? He did. So if you uh, it, so if you read the liner notes to the soundtrack, uh, there's like this uh, background of the album, like it details like what each song, where it where it's featured in the movie and what there is. And then when you scroll down to who wrote the liner notes, it is Mr. A.M. White, president, Playtone Media Entertainment in New York City, New York. So little fun little like if you had the soundtrack, you would know that. But and um, there's also a note about the herdsmen saying that you know, it was James Mattingly's first hit, first hit record with the Herdsman and um, and stuff like that and ended up showing how he became a producer. And, and it's really interesting. There's lots of little uh, fun tidbits in there. You know what Mr. White's first name was? It's mentioned one time and it, it happened so quickly in the movie that you would never, I never really realized it until I read some trivia. Mm -hmm. Is it, it his initials on the thing are AM, right? AM, yeah. Is that it's, An, it's Andy? Is that true to the initials? Okay, Andy. Oh, and, interesting. And, and it happens really quickly. Um, I went back and, and listened for it. It's when is his name Saul Seiler, who's the the head of Playtone at that time, and they go mm. out to California and they have a little meet and greet with the photographers and the news people. Uh, about the record that's mm -hmm. uh, that's going up the charts and Saul Seiler uh, is trying to eat and Jimmy comes up and wants to try to talk to him about his his career and, and his records and I want to do this and that and Saul Seiler gets all mad and and spitting his food out <laughs> and hollers he he hollers Andy get Fabian off of me <laughs> I'm trying to eat some deli mm. Oh, that's so crazy. I thought he was just talking to like his assistant or something. Oh my gosh, he, I had no he, idea. Well, his mouth is full of food, so you can't really understand it. But yeah. he, he evidently says Andy when it, and he's oh, talking so to, to Mr. White. I thought that, that was something oh, I totally so missed uh, as many times as I've watched it until I read some trivia. 
Yeah, it's like the it's like the moment if you if you don't listen, you miss it. There's lots of those moments, including like names, which are important. You know, like um, the bass player that replaces the bass player. <laughs> uh, his they call him Wolfman in the movie, um, which they say more than his actual name, which I think they do say twice actually. I, I watched it again the other night and realized it. I don't know if that was a part of the the version that was not that was cut, but they do say it when he's introduced is Scott Pell. Scott Pill. Scott Pell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Scott, Scott Pell. Pell. Yes. And um, yeah. near the end, he says it. Uh, Mr. White says it again. He's like, "You're a good man, Scott Pell." <laughs> I need to start using that. You're a good man, Scott Pell. <laughs> and, and that's another. Actually, that's um, another one of my favorite quotes. Is is when uh, is they're, it? They're on. They're on the Hollywood Cavalcade of Stars TV show. Or Hollywood uh, is that the name of it? It's kind of like a Ed Sullivan kind of a show. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Wolfman Scott Pell fills in as bass player. And then so the, the producers, the, 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 the guy that's running the cameras is they're, they're wanting to introduce America to the wonders. And so they're doing all these tight focuses on each of the players individually. And they, they focus on the bass player and they go, Oh, Wolfman too scary. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yeah. He is a very intense character. Like when you look like they obviously had to replace him at the last minute. So they had to pick somebody who's really good and like had experience, but like he's older, probably I'd say like he's more established in the music industry. So he kind of has more of an intense ad attitude to co compared to the other three at the time who were like kind of naive and like kind of, you know, and very like baby face. And then of course they get that intense, like, you know, guy with probably like more wrinkles than the other guy, other faces and, of course, that's like a 180. So they have to go really fast anyways. And pro probably also that was the first time people realized that, hey, where's the original bass player if they knew what he looked like? You know, mm -hmm. so they probably were like, all right, we got to go quickly. But I love that. There's also the the tagline they added was uh, with Jimmy's was careful girls. He's engaged. Like <laughs> yeah. there, there's actually a it's that's a that's a tie to the Beatles. I actually I read that when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan show back in the 1960s, they, mm -hmm. um, John Lennon, when they showed him on a close up like that, it, it said, um, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, girls, he's married because John was the only mm -hmm. one that was married at the time. So there were some homages mm -hmm. to the Beatles, uh, actually more than one in that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's lots of parallels to um, to 60s tropes in there, especially related to the Beatles. Um, there's some montages during the movie where it kind of likens them to the monkeys a little bit with the cut, the, you know, the, the fast editing and the, the, you know, the everything sped up or slowed down. And um, I think that's really interesting. There's a moment where they're chasing after horses. Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're at a horse track um, or something. And yeah, and in the back, wait, I'm trying to remember. In the background, Faye is there as well as Mr. White, and Mr. White is like eating something, just like in nonchalantly, like, "Oh, these kids are just, you know, being chased after horses," and, um, <laughs> and I'm just gonna have my tuna sandwich right now. <laughs> which, I tried which I to find some information. To, I tried to find that tie because I swear I've, I've. There's there's also a scene where they're like riding trikes and playing on this. It's a huge painted mural of the United States, like on a playground. And I swear mm -hmm. that maybe came from that the monkeys did the same thing, but I could not find that scene anywhere. And it's not, I think it's not so. documented anywhere that I could find. Yeah. Or at least on YouTube or anything. I do. And, think... and I think a horse race thing is as well as maybe, it, maybe the monkeys had a scene where they were goofing around and yeah. were chasing horses. 
but I couldn't find mm-hmm. anything documented. Yeah, there's a. I haven't seen it in years, but there could be some um, some scenes that they did that were homages to a hard day's night. So that could all could also be in there too. Uh, um, they also they also had a movie uh, called Head. <laughs> which is a funny movie. Um, It's choreographed by somebody who has a tie to that thing you do. Tony Basil, she did the choreography for Mm -hmm. Head. She was also a featured dancer in there. And then she was also the choreographer for all the musical scenes in that thing you do, which is, I love, which I, I love fun little tidbit there. (laughs) Any other takeaways about the movie and the plot and characters, anything like that? You talked about, there was another uh, football player that was in the movie. I, I, because I was wondering who the dentist that, that, oh. um, uh, that Tina, who was mm-hmm. Guy's original girlfriend in the movie, uh, who's played by. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm totally blanking. His name that, that, that she's played. It's, um, Charlie Theron. Yes. Charlie Theron. Yes. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, Charlie <laughs> Theron. And yeah. that she becomes infatuated with her dentist. Mm-hmm. And he's he's played by a guy named Keith Newbert, and mm. he played. I looked him up. He played for the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles oh. back, you know, back around that time, back in the eighties, nineties. So mm. he was a pretty muscular, you know, big big guy. And so yeah, yeah so there, him and Howie Long were two of the NFL players that were in the movie. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's the funny thing is that a lot of their their time in the movie was cut from the, for the theatrical release. Um, like some when you watch the extended cut, you see more scenes with uh, Tina bonding with the dentist and <laughs> putting up wallpaper together in the office in the dentist office, like like random stuff. And I don't really, I, you know, it's not really scenes I'm too fond of. So I'm kind of glad they kind of just kind of let it, le- you know, let it kind of be minimal um, because. In reality, the whole story is about Guy and Faye, I think, is where the audience will really vouch for. So I think that was a good decision to cut. Um, but yeah, the NFL players didn't have a huge role as as they were originally intended to. So I thought that was a interesting, interesting moment. It was, it was, the, the characters like that were, the, the cameos were fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's October, and you know what that means. Giveaway time! Hiya, darlings and gal pals. I am offering an absolutely zantastic prize package for an exclusive giveaway to my Instagram. This is the perfect surprise for fans of all backgrounds. It is a loaded prize package full of ABBA doodads and Xana goodies for even the most remedial fan of Les Deux. Included in this prize package is the 40th anniversary of ABBA Gold, featuring more ABBA Gold and a CD of B-sides. ABBA The Definitive Collection DVD, featuring all of ABBA's music videos. ABBA The Movie on DVD. Xanadu Magical Musical Edition with the soundtrack CD. Xanadu The Broadway Cast Album, autographed by artist and guest host Derek Bishop. The ABBA Gold Book from the 33 and a Third series, also autographed by our author and guest Elizabeth Vincentelli. Don't those sound exciting? Here's how you win. Follow at RealSparkleSid on Instagram. Tag five people in the comments of the post that you see and comment on your favorite ABBA song. Next, share the same post as a story tagging at RealSparkleSid so I can make sure to count the entry. But there's a catch. I will only draw until I hit 500 followers. So tell your friends and tag as many friends for a quicker chance to win. 
Bon chance, mes amis. And now back to the show. And the music, oh my gosh, the music is amazing. Shall we start talking about the soundtrack? Because I feel like we'll talk about this for a long time. So good. Of course, we got to talk about that thing you do. It's the title track. Amazing, amazing tune. It's super catchy. Um, All you need to know is the word that thing you do. And I think the the words that thing you do is in there like 20 times. So you'll know at least half the lyrics if you listen to the music. And the album's kind of like, as we mentioned earlier, is kind of tied, like it made it like a little like compilation of Playtone artists. So there's lots of like, you know, it, it looks like a Playtone record, like the one you see in the in the um, in the movie. And um, and it has liner notes like we had mentioned. It's so fun. And and you get a lot of uh, 60s style songs Care uh, to talk about the title track. Well, a little bit of trivia on that one that because I was wondering, because it plays several times throughout the movie. It only plays twice the full song is played twice mm-hmm. in the movie, but it, there are little snippets of it, you know, in different scenes. Mm-hmm. It's played a total of 11 times in the movie, mm-hmm. either full or partial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's just uh, It's just the most fun, fun song ever. You know, I can listen to it, mm-hmm. and it, it's always it's always a, just fresh. Do you remember who wrote the song? Uh, there was a I I looked that one up too. That actually uh, a, <laughs> a guy named Adam Schlesinger, and you maybe did the same thing. It, interestingly, mm-hmm. he was the bassist of the band Fountains of Wayne, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. they had a contest to to, uh, to to write this title song for the movie, and and he he wrote it and won it which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. Do you, are you familiar with one of the other hits that he's had with uh, Fountains of Youth or Pro- yeah, Fountains, of Fountains of Wayne? No, I, I, I'm not, I'm not um, as familiar with what And if you're a nineties or I guess early two thousands kid, if you grew up, you know, like about my age, you would remember the song Stacy's mom. Um, and um, yeah, Stacy's mom has got it going on. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, you don't, it's a different vibe. So, you know what, you wouldn't know that you wouldn't, you couldn't tell. Oh, another uh, one he did, this is a really deep cut, but um, I remember her mentioning it on her talk show when she had it, but uh, Kathy Griffin had a talk show for like one season on Bravo or something along that nature. And she did a theme song where she sang it kind of. And, um, <laughs> and um, it was a song called I'll Say It. And it's actually a really cute song. It's a really, it's, it's totally made for a talk show, but it was also the, the theme song was also written by him as well. And she had mentioned song. it on the, the I, thought, I have that in a playlist. Yeah. <laughs> the Kathy Griffin song. Yeah. I love that song. Oh my god, I haven't listened to that in years. But she's—I remember she was like, "It's a shit ton of auto tune." <laughs> it's a great, it's a but great it's, song. It's, it's actually good. Yeah, I really loved it. Do you um, do you know how many other songs were in the running to be the title track? No, actually, no. We're... Um, there there was a recent reunion. I don't, you might be aware of that of the original Wonders, and um. And they had mentioned in an interview with, I think, uh, Inter- Entertainment Weekly, I believe, um, that there were um, about, so they had narrowed it down from hundreds of songs that were submitted. Um, the only requirement for all those songs was they had to have the words, that thing you do. So that means at that time during production, they already had the title of the movie. So that makes sense. So um, they narrowed it down to six songs and then they brought in the wonders that they cast 
and had them listen to them so they could have a say in what the original song was. And I think the consensus with Tom Hanks and the four of them was the one song that we all know and love. So it's really interesting. And um, I'm interested to see if they ha still have the demos of the other five uh, five songs. It'd be interesting to see like what, what the vibe was and what the you know, what they sounded like, if they were very 60s or if they were very like, like Nirvana rock, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Well, were any of the others, do you know, were they used on the soundtrack? Those, those other four or five you talked about there, uh, there's, there's that song that says, I, it's called, I need you. And then in parentheses, that thing you do. Was that by chance? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested that ha I feel like, is that song by the same person? Maybe he submitted more than one and they're like, this is a great different a different kind of song but it's not a song that would be yeah i'm no. interested if any of those were yeah, that I one mean, i th i speculated that one could have been but i'm not 100 percent sure but i would love to tom hanks if you're listening i would love to have you on the show and we can talk about this more <laughs> talk all day yeah yeah um any other songs on the soundtrack that stand out to you uh, i i love i need you th I, that thing you do like that's a perfect like credit song like right when the movie's over because it you're already in a happy moment and then it's just like it's like dude it's just very bubbly and fun and, and um and it's just a very casual song and i love to listen to that one um wild, any of your favorite any one. i love Ooh, little wild yeah one. that's another one that's another wonders one right one. That one's really yeah, good. they're playing that at uh, Villa Pianos, I believe. Is one, one yeah. of the times they play there, they play that one. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, like, because uh, the B side was of that thing you do on the single that they, the only single that, that the only thing that they published at the time was "All My Only Dreams," which was a ballad, and then they ended mm -hmm. up the song that that got them popular was a dance, like a, a high energy dance song uh, for the '60s. And, um, and the, the funny thing is they were like, well, let's, the next time we're at Villa Pianos, let's do some upbeat songs. And none of those songs got recorded, which I think is really bizarre. They're so good. Yeah. Uh, Dance with me tonight is another one that's catchy, mm. just a catchy poppy, poppy tune. I think that's mm -hmm. another one that I believe they were playing at, at, at Villa Pianos. I think so. Um, I do remember they did like a, a theater in the round and I remember they performed it there, but I don't remember if that was, um, that must've been the, uh, when they were on that tour of um, state fairs and stuff like that with Claytone, I think they're, you're right. Actually, and was, I, you're right actually. Cause that's, <laughs> that, that's the song that they're playing and Mr. White is out in the audience and he like, oh, there's, yeah. there's, there, there's some <laughs> like a break in the, where they, the, the drums kind of hit hard and they kind of take a break for a second and he pulls his arm back. <laughs> when the drums hit out in the audience. Oh my gosh. It, yeah. That's on dance with yeah. me tonight. Yeah. He was old. Whenever they'd show shots of Mr. White backstage or out in the audience watching them, he was always engaged and listening and he'd be singing along or, or kind of moving. Mm -hmm. he, so mm -hmm. he, he was always paying attention when it, when he wasn't trying to sell the, sell their songs to a, to <laughs> right. a radio DJ or something. But I think that's interesting as like a manager, you have to like, if you sign an artist or if you want to sign an artist, you have to love the band already or the singer. I feel like in some regard, because if you hate them, like why are you, it shows like, why are you in the music business? You know, are you in it over the art, which doesn't seem like it, or are you for the money, you know? True. And of course you have to have, you have to cross that, like that faded line that is, that's in the music business these days. So uh, it's an interesting 
moment, but I, I do love that. That's a, there's lots of really good visual moments in that thing you do. If you just watch it, if you watch it with the sound off, I feel like I'll catch so much more. I, I did it one time. I was watching, for some reason was watching Lenny one, one time when I watched this, like uh, about a month ago, I watched Lenny really closely and intensely. And there's a really funny, um, he does a really intense when the bass player announces that he's leaving uh, for the Marine Corps, like you see Lenny's face just gets super intense and stares at him like, how dare you F this up for us? And then like, and then it accumulates to the moment where he throws the drumsticks at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just like, so yeah, lots of great moments in that movie. One of my favorite songs from the soundtrack is uh, the Ch Chanchelines. If you hold my hand, you'll hold my heart, oh, yeah, <laughs> which also brings another moment. Yeah, they were like the Supremes of Playtone and they were super huge stars and the bass player ends up having a liaison with one of them and having a love affair, which which is uh, which is shown more in detail in the extended cut, which I love. Totally more in the in the extended because in the theatrical version, you just think it's a little flirty thing. He just they just kind of run around a little bit here and there. But yeah, there's a lot more to it in the extra. <laughs> mm hmm. And there's a scene, I don't think it's in the theatrical cut, where he's like, a, like when they first get on to the uh, grounds of the first tour, on the place of the where they first start the tour, they're, <laughs> the bass player's like aggressively trying to get into the Chandeline's bus. Like he obviously has an infatuation with one of them, and he, you, yeah. but you don't see that persistence because he's just a tertiary character by the time you see the theatrical cut. Um, but that's such a great one because the choreography... Um, is is you know very easy you hold your hand hold your heart <laughs> and you see the bass player dancing along during one of them almost like that's their song <laughs> you know it's like our song you know oh she's singing he did all me. the hand motions <laughs> <laughs> yeah and for a moment you think he's like wait is he is he straight what is what is going on with this character like that's the great thing about that character i think if he was in the movie more like this in the extended cut i feel like we would not feel like we got enough of the character but I think because he wasn't one, he wasn't named properly. <laughs> and two, he wasn't, he was just kind of there to react to things like, <laughs> oh, like when, when the first manager's like, we're going to go to places like <laughs> Lonningsburg or in Pittsburgh. And he goes, Pittsburgh. <laughs> He's like, that's all his, he says. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Lenny goes, Lonnieville, like, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that, 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 uh, that, that city is named. Steubenville. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a real place. Isn't, isn't it? I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I never like, is, that's a, is that Ohio? Maybe Steubenville, Ohio? Steubenville, Let's look that up. <laughs> Pennsylvania, maybe. I mean, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, maybe. If it's, 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 I think those are all Pennsylvania towns. Yeah. Eerie, Erie, mm -hmm. Steubenville. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause they're touring kind of locally anyways. That makes sense. <laughs> one, one thing I didn't, I had never noticed before when I watched it this week, it seems like every time you watch this movie, there's some little tidbit that, that you, you miss or you, or you catch, um, mm -hmm. Gus Grissom, the astronaut from, you know, he was a Gemini astronaut back in the 1960s. He, he, he's, his character was on this show in Hollywood that they were on that he was on, you know, one of the guests and he was played by, J you Brian know, I think Cranston. I remember seeing Did him, but that? Brian, Brian Cranston, who's been on well, all these different, all these, you know, yeah. 
what isn't he breaking bad and some of these different things brian cranston was on and and he played gus grissom i i because i i always thought that guy kind of looks familiar but i, I never really paid attention then i looked yeah. and i go no that's brian cranston <laughs> he has he has a he has a, a crew cut and you know has a the real <laughs> the 1960s astronaut look, 60s astronaut look oh my gosh that's something i need to, that's a look i need to pull off in the future oh my gosh i love that <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> you should yeah you should go for the, the crew cut john you'd, you'd be yeah awesome. I, I i remember recognizing him but not figuring it out because he did have that like buzz cut so i didn't really notice where he was but i think at the time he was on malcolm in the middle he was the father um but i it went over my head because i didn't really watch the show very much and i never really watched breaking bad but i remember he had like a bald head or like a shaved head so i feel like i would have at least kind of recognized him because that was when i like first mm-hmm. realized it was around the time he was in the show breaking bad. So I, I don't know. It's just really funny, but yeah, there's lots of little, little cameos in there that um, do, are there any cameos that you remember that stand out and you're like, Oh yeah. Hey, I recognize that person from such and such. Well, uh, one, one is that he's, he's an artist that, that your mom and I really like is a, a guy, a musician. Oh, yeah. Chris Isaac. He's not a, Ta-ha. you know, he's not a, a big, big, big uh star but uh he he's he, he you know he's an artist and actually uh, you, john your <laughs> sister works for the company that manages him and uh he he's he, yeah. uh, he's uncle bob he's the one there's a scene where when they actually record yeah. uh, uncle bob records church music uh like choirs and sermons and things like that and so when they when they're trying to figure out how they can record their song Uncle Bob is Guy's uncle, and so they go to this church, and Uncle Bob records their their two songs for their single, and uh, yeah, and then I, I, I realized, and and I did a little did was when I was doing a little research for this, I noticed he he actually they used him again as a different character in the first shot in the when they first went on tour for the the actual. Uh, uh, county fair tour in at the first show he's in the band in that and he obviously he's not uncle bob he's just a guy in the band but i thought that was funny that they used him twice yeah so he's in is he in the band of the the, the guy that goes that's mr downtown that guy that the, one the, the the plate yeah the playtone band yeah he's one of the guys who goes what's his name like really i missed that i would have seen that oh my gosh that's so crazy ah uh, yeah, he's Crazy. he's back there playing guitar. I don't know. Yeah, I don't they know must not show enough of him. I don't, I don't know if they thought nobody I, would notice. I didn't know I've seen this movie millions, not millions, <laughs> but a lot of times. <laughs> and, and and a lot of the cameos that I love are of like Tom Hanks's family, like um, like Marguerite is played by Tom Hanks's wife, uh, Rita, and um, oh, yeah. Tom Hanks's son. I think makes his debut, his movie debut, technically as a uh, usher page for the CBS studios that he does for the Hollywood showcase. And I remember he, I remember there's an extended cut scene where um, he's standing there waiting for a tip from, from Faye and Faye's just like, okay, bye. Is that I what he was waiting I, on? Was a tip? I wondered why he stood like, there. I don't know. Is that a thing? Like ushers don't get like, I've never been to a place where. Uh, yeah. Like I go to like tips. Broadway in Chicago. Those ushers are yeah. super nice, but and I know they probably don't get paid a lot, but like, they don't like wait around after you're done, after they're done seating you, you know, they're on to the next person. So I don't, 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm really interested. Maybe maybe that's an LA thing, like a Hollywood thing. Maybe like TV studios. There's, I don't. Or maybe that's a, maybe that's something that just doesn't happen in this modern age anymore. That probably stopped in the '60s when Paola stopped becoming a thing on in, in radio, <laughs> and you know, and stuff like that. You know, lots of things have changed <laughs> since the '60s. Uh, music industry. Of <laughs> yeah. And did you mention? Did you mention about the Hanks family that that their daughter? Oh. Was Where was the daughter? Was in the movie as well, Elizabeth. She was. There's the the scene when when Faye is getting ready to go to the big Hollywood showcase show. She goes to mm. like a beauty parlor. I think it's in the hotel, and to get fixed up. And there's this girl sitting on a bench. I, I assume she's mm. waiting for her mom or something. And she has this. She's got, has this bored look on her face. She very quickly is. She, she walked past her, but that's that's uh, Tom and that's Rita's so daughter, Elizabeth. Plays so funny. I, did, I missed that. that. I, yeah. I guess I don't know what she looks like, so I, I probably would have never recognized her. But it it probably shows why she's bored. She was waiting for uh, for her mother to get off work from the bar, you know, serving Del Pax and Hennessy's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the other thing about about um, you mentioned. Marguerite mm -hmm. that Rita Wilson, Tom's wife, played. Um, did you know that that her her given name or her her real name is Marguerite? Oh no! I, well, that makes Rita. sense. Rita is short for Marguerite. Yeah, but I didn't know that. Yeah, her her, her first name's uh, Marguerite, which I thought yeah, was interesting. That's, yeah, there's lots of nods too. I was reading some trivia, and there's lots of little nods. I didn't write any of them down, but they're very specific to '60s tropes in the in the '60s. Like you know, obviously the homages to the Beatles, to the Monkees. But there's lots of like names and characters that are related to different things. Like I wrote down, actually, they don't actually finish. Uh, Guy mentions Utant, <laughs> but he doesn't get to finish yes. who it is because he's like, oh, this 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 guy will not get it. Um, do you know Do you know who Utant was? Like what what his position was in the uh, in the 60s? I had to look it up. Do you know? <laughs> I did. I, I had to write, I had to look it up too. <laughs> Because he started on sec, I was like Secretary of State, maybe no secretary. So he was the Secretary General of the United Nations uh, from 1961 to 1971. I had no idea. I just thought Utan was like a philosopher or something. That's what I thought too. Utan was some some writer or philosopher or something. Like yeah, that. I, that that he was the Secretary General of the United Nations. That's that was. Funny. Yeah, I mean Guy Patterson was kind of like the the more cultured of the one. Cause obviously he loved jazz music and stuff. And he was, he was just playing for the band because they needed somebody. But um, I remember the other drummer, the one that he replaced was like, Oh, here comes Aries lone beatnik. Cause he was very into like jazz and stuff. And I would expect him to like quote a philosopher. So that's who I, who I thought Utant was in the first place, but apparently not. He apparently knows a lot more about politics than we think we do. <laughs> oh, another cameo, which it, you know, Ron Howard and, and Tom Hanks co collaborated on a lot of movies over the years. And, and um, Ron Howard, whenever he directs a movie, he always brings his, his little brother, Clint Howard in. Mm. And Hanks had Clint Howard as a cameo in this one. He played the DJ at the jazz station that they went to interview at. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like the one that looked like it was in a house. <laughs> yeah, KJZZ. Yeah, yeah that 
That was the, yeah, that was also the station that, um, if you watch the extended cut, there's a, he ends up getting a job with the, he ends up, uh, I think he calls the, the radio manager, who's also the, you know, the same guy doing the, who's the disc jockey as well. And he tries to get a job with him by recording Del Paxton because he meets him in the recording studio. And he's like, oh, press record on that. And, you know, you got the studio time, you know, like start to interview them about their life. And he ends up getting a job like that. And the extended cut dies in that a lot more in detail, but you don't really get, catch that. You don't get that scene actually at all um, in the theatrical cut. But that that moment there where he becomes almost like a DJ himself is a really interesting like turnaround moment for him. Handing that scene which I, I don't think I've maybe watched the extended cut, but once other than earlier this week, I, I found that interesting because adding that scene made a future, a, a later scene that was actually in the theatrical version actually makes sense because when guy comes back to the hotel after he's been at the recording studio, he has this big box of these, these reel to reel tapes and when he goes back to talk to Faye and I was wondering why does he have so many tapes because they mm -hmm. didn't really tape anything that day, but he was taping mm -hmm. that scene made sense then because he had, he had done all these interviews at the recording studio with all of these jazz greats like Del Paxton at the, the that he had recorded interviews with them. Yeah. That's yeah. That's interesting. Cause he does. He, that's the job he refers to. When he says he's gonna um, stay in the area, when Faye's gonna return back to Erie, um, which they they just kind of touch on it. I mean, obviously that's not really the the point of the scene is them getting back, kind of you know tying up their loose ends of their relationship. But the that is yeah that was a glaring thing that I was like, why is he carrying all those tapes? Because they didn't record because he declined when when the the recording engineer asked him if he wanted to record, he declined. Mm -hmm. So you're like, well, why? You know, so that would mean there wouldn't be any tapes. You know, so you're like, did he steal stuff from the studio? You know, <laughs> like what did he do here? <laughs> you know. Well, I guess he I guess they did do the in the theatrical version. He played you know Del Paxton. Remember, came in when he was just kind of yeah. futzing around on the drums. And Dell came in and said, "Can I jam with you?" And the the mm -hmm. and he said, "Let's roll tape on this." So I guess they oh, would have, okay. they would have had something, but not yeah. a whole box of not tapes. that much. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he must have stole the master tapes to all the verb label Dell Paxton albums. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> he he didn't have. He said he didn't. He he told Dell uh, when he met him in the bar. He didn't. He didn't have all his records, so maybe that was him making up for his collection. <laughs> hey, there was one piece of trivia I'm surprised you didn't bring up surrounding the the studio where they recorded the Hollywood Showcase. Oh, that was my next trivia. Uh, yeah. Oh, dude. Um, it is. I'm almost out of my trivia, and that was one of my second. That was my second to last one that we didn't talk about. But yeah, so uh, mm -hmm. so that was actually filmed in Studio 33 in CBS Studios. You actually see the CBS logo on the curtains, which you see um, when, which you also see if you watch a specific TV show, when there was an announcer who also wore sparkly jackets like Sparkle Sid, yours truly, <laughs> Rod Roddy, he announced, he announced for The Price is Right, which also filmed in that studio. And now since uh, his retirement, it is now lovingly referred to as the Bob Barker studio. So woo, fun little trivia. Yeah. Game uh, shows tie it back in. <laughs> I had to I, I I had to look that one up because I as I was watching, I was think I had never really asked myself 
where were they? I forget what they called that studio in, on in the movie, mm-hmm. but they didn't make any reference to CBS or anything. It was just like no Hollywood studio. But the curtains were kind of there. Yeah, were they? Did they? Did it have a CBS logo on it? Even I don't remember. It did. Yeah, like all the curtains had the red logo, but they don't mention. They might have mentioned Television City, which is where which is the city, quote unquote, like the municipality where they had it because CBS owned that lot for a long time. They used to, um, uh, they filmed all their all their shows there. Like on the same stage, they would, um, they would take away door number one and three from The Price is Right. And then in the middle, that door number two was where Gene Rayburn entered every episode of The Match Game. So they filmed The Match Game uh, on that same set, uh, same okay. on that same stage. So they basically own that plot of land around the studio and called it Television City. Like they 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 made it their own municipality essentially in Burbank or wherever they were filming in Cal- in Hollywood, <laughs> which I love. But um, there's lots of television history in that in that studio, and unfortunately, they sold it to a media company who I think is bulldozing it down. So sadly, its days are no more, or eventually imminent to the end. But no. They're not. I'm just kidding. They they still record the prices right there, of course. Would you carry? But like, th- th- a lot of the buildings and a lot of the facilities are are gone. Um, they bulldoze a lot of the separate adjoining studios and the offices. I think are gone. But of course, since you know the prices right is huge, they're still going to record there. But yeah, fun little. That's a fun little trivia thing because they film that in the exact same place. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that. I thought that would be significant to you, being the, uh, the yeah. game show host aficionado. <laughs> yeah um do you have any uh any more trivia for me i think i'm out actually so i'm done here (laughs) this is one of those trivia trivia nerd ones you know most so so uh ridiculous that no one would get it probably but i (laughs) i found it interesting that it this would be in the one of the added scenes in the director's cut there's a scene that's not in the theatrical where they are behind before they when they first go to Pittsburgh to play at the theater they there's this whole scene where mm-hmm. they're they go on stage and nobody's there and and they're like in awe of this huge what they mm-hmm. thought huge theater air quotes and and it mm-hmm. they he asked the guy that's cleaning the seats he says how many seats does this theater have and it's 2203 seats so just a little uh, huh. nerd trivia from the movie of how many how many seats there were in that first theater in Pittsburgh. I'm trying to remember if that's the same actor, but I think I remember re- recognizing the same actor. He plays a similar role. If I if I'm thinking of the same guy, maybe I'm not. Maybe just because I'm thinking of another movie. But the theater manager in A Mighty Wind, the one <laughs> the one who has to deal with the really oh. with Michael in A Mighty Wind where he's like, is that the same guy, the same actor? To, and he's playing like a similar I'll role. i watch that and see. I don't remember. You mean the, the guy that was actually I don't think it the is. That he, that he talks to? The yeah. That he talks to? I think so. I think so. That would be funny. That would um, be really funny if it but is. But I don't know. <clears throat> I, feel like, I feel like I recognized him or it just reminded me of that character because I was like, oh my gosh, it's like that guy in A Mighty Wind. He was super goofy and he's there all the time just cleaning and... <laughs> And it, um, I don't know. I wasn't. I'm. I'm not 100 sure, but I was like, I feel like it's the same guy who who sang Ave Maria in the in the in the Mighty Wind. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's probably another one of your another podcast, isn't it? The a, a Mighty Wind. That's that's a good one. 
Yeah, that's on my list. I think I might generalize it into Christopher Guest that, movies, but I think A Mighty Wind might be the first one I go into. That, that yeah. <laughs> Any other trivia for me? I you? think I might have covered everything. I the you you mentioned about some of the 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 shooting locations, the the Ambassador Hotel where they when they went to Hollywood mm. uh, when they went out and it, it was actually called the Ambassador Hotel in the in the movie and and in real mm. life. I think I read recently that the Ambassador has been torn down. I think it's maybe like a high school. That location um. is a high school now, and they might have kept like maybe one portion of it, just kind of a, like a decorative wall or something, a mural might be all that's left mm -hmm. of the, the ambassador mm -hmm. hotel, or as Mr. White described it when they got on the plane, when they were jetting off to California, uh, he said, it's the hotel where Ricky and Lucy, when they went out to Disneyland, stayed at the ambassador. See, he knew how to get to those kids. You know, he was he was an older older soul, but he at least he like knew. You know, he, was, he knew what the the kids were watching <laughs> a decade before. <laughs> but still, he was hip. <laughs> this has been so much fun, Bruce. Uh, have anything? Any other thing you'd like to share? I I think we've covered it. it it's I mean, I could talk for hours on it. It's it's such a fun movie and so so much trivia, so much. Uh, uh, to to talk about what the characters were about, but this is this has been great. Mm -hmm. I hope this has persuaded my listeners to watch the movie. If they never have, I will post a link to where you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, the extended cut is on Amazon Prime, and you can enjoy it there. You can enjoy the theatrical cut. The music is on Spotify. Listen to it; it's so good. And I will post all the uh, all the information about the movie. Um, I'll also post any information for you, Bruce. Uh, where can people find you online if they want to follow you on social I, media? I'm old school, right? So I'm on Facebook, Bruce Bruce Dyson, on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, but I don't. I just watch people. I don't really use Twitter. So, but I'm I'm primarily a Facebook <laughs> kind of a guy, right? I'm a boomer. <laughs> hey love Facebook. I still use it for my promotion all the time. So nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it connects us all together, which is a beautiful thing. Um, so we can talk about our love about silly comedy movies. And that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I just have to say to, to echo John, anybody that hasn't seen this movie, you have to watch this movie. You'll, you'll love it. It's just a, it's just a fun movie. Ditto. Absolutely. I 100% <laughs> on with that note. Thank you so much for your time, Bruce. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. See ya. Super Funkin' Serious with Sparkle Sid is a production of Vicarious Media, LLC. Starring and produced by yours truly, John Dyson. Edited and co-produced by Gabriel Schubert. For more information about today's guest or the media we mentioned in today's episode, please see the show notes in your local podcasting app or visit vicariousmedia.com slash podcast. This is Sparkle Sid signing off for another episode of Super Funkin' Serious. We hope to see you next Thursday for another fantastic episode of Cheeky Chat. Also, don't forget to be your funking best, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye, beautiful darlings and gal pals. Mwah!